AIPCs built for business with Intel Core Ultra processors and Intel vPro are optimized for hundreds of AI apps and tools to boost user productivity, collaboration, and creativity. No product can be absolutely secure. Learn more at intel.com slash itheroes. Always funny doing this with a, with a colleague, but, uh, you know, what's your full name and um, how do you describe what you do? Uh, I'm Ben Kessling. I'm a Midwest correspondent at the Wall Street Journal, but I also cover defense and veterans issues. Ben served in the Marine Corps as an infantry officer in both Iraq and Afghanistan. I recently called Ben up to ask him about something that affects a lot of veterans returning from combat. Every so often, I'll just smell something that just brings back a memory that I hadn't even thought about for a long time. That's right, smell. It plays a major role in how people experience the world. Smell underlies our ability to taste, and it can act as an early warning sign for our brains. For people who have been through trauma, smells can bring back bad memories. There's very rarely that focus on the odor, the smell of war. That might be the smell of burning trash because there's so many burn pits over there. It might be the smell of sand, the smell of dirt, the smell of grease, the smell of JP8 fuel. Um, the smell of, of rose water, <laughs> you know, common perfume uh, overseas. Some veterans have talked about this publicly, but it's usually about the less pleasant odors. It was like burning rubber and wood at the same time. And when you smell burnt plastic, it's a, a nasty stench. You could smell uh, smoke all the time, it seemed. It's in your hair, it's in your arms. When you wake up, I mean, you're coughing. It's something that everybody experiences, is those smells that take them back. And it's really a great avenue uh, for, for having conversations with people because it can provide a, a pathway into talking about something in, that's, that, that doesn't get open very often. That's what happened to Jonathan Tissue. He's a retired Marine who did two tours in Iraq in 2007 and 2008. He says he struggled with post-traumatic stress disorder after he left the military. Then, a few years ago, Tissue tried a specialized therapy program where he was exposed to virtual reality simulations of the sights, sounds, and smells that were seared into his memory. It snapped open something so fast that all those images really started clarifying and popping in my head. And then day by day, the more smells we added, the clearer it kept getting. From The Wall Street Journal, this is the future of everything. I'm Danny Lewis. Smell can be a powerful tool for mental health treatments, but in the past, it's been too expensive and complex to be widely used. But new advancements in virtual reality technology could make it more widely accessible and open up new avenues to treatment. Stay with us. Enter a revolutionary business world where AI meets power with Intel Core Ultra and Intel vPro. Imagine PCs that boost productivity, creativity, and collaboration with cutting-edge AI. They're gateways to innovation, engineered with powerful AI performance, hardware-based security, and AI-powered threat detection. Plus, they're built sustainably and can be managed remotely. Transform your workflow with Intel Core Ultra and Intel vPro today. No product can be absolutely secure. Become an IT hero at intel.com slash IT heroes. The ability to smell was one of the earliest senses that biological life developed to find food and avoid danger. Humans evolved a structure of nerve tissue called the olfactory bulb to process odors. It connects our noses to the parts of our brain tasked with keeping us alive. 
The scent of smoke might signal that a wildfire is nearby. And there's no better way to know when meat has gone bad than to take a whiff. The olfactory brain structures are held in the reptilian part of the brain, so the most internal part of the brain. Dr. Valentina Parma is a psychologist and the assistant director of the Minnell Chemical Senses Center in Philadelphia. It's an independent, nonprofit scientific institute and one of the foremost centers for research into taste and smell. Parma studies how the sense of smell works and how odors affect our health and well-being. Because the same part of the brain she's talking about also governs our feelings, including how people respond to trauma. The amygdala, the hippocampus, this memory centers and emotional centers in particular. That's why smells can trigger strong feelings. The scent of perfume or cologne reminds us of a person who wore it. And it's why the smell of my cat is comforting. Except for the litter box, of course. But if an odor gets connected with a bad memory, it can set off an alarm deep within our brains, even if there's nothing to be scared of at the moment. It was kind of awe-inspiring to me that just smell itself could unlock images in my head that I had forgotten about. That's Jonathan Tissue again. He enlisted with the U.S. Marine Corps in 2005 and served as a field radio operator in combat zones in Iraq and Afghanistan. He saw a lot during that time. But he says one particular moment that stuck in his memory was in 2007, when he says a truck bomb hit his base in Al-Anbar province in western Iraq. The truck just goes. Boom. Right? I can see the ground rumble from the concussion. Tissue says he can still recall the odor. There was burning tire smell. There was, you know, burning oil. Uh, there was smell from all the explosives and stuff he had in it. There was smell from the tires burning, rubber and stuff. Just, I mean, smell of the dead burning bodies and stuff. For years, he struggled with severe PTSD from his time in combat. He says he tried talk therapy and medication, but it didn't help. My grandmother was my number one, always and forever. But even she was like, I would like my grandson back, please. Where is he? Can you please go get some help so you can come back to me? So he tried again. And in 2019, Tissue was referred to UCF Restores, a research center at the University of Central Florida in Orlando. It operates an intensive, three-week-long program for treating trauma and PTSD cases that are too severe for conventional approaches. One of the things we know is that you have to be able to have people get in contact with what we call the triggers, the sights, the sounds, the smells that are part of their trauma. Dr. Deborah Bedell is a clinical psychologist and executive director of UCF Restores. It's primarily funded through grants and is free for Florida residents who are accepted to the program. Exposure therapy is the treatment that we know has the best effect for post-traumatic stress disorder. In traditional forms of exposure therapy, a patient will be put in a controlled situation where they experience emotional stress under a therapist's supervision. Like asking someone scared of heights to stand on the viewing deck of a skyscraper. But when we're talking about traumas that are related to combat experience, I can't recreate IED explosions. So in those instances, UCF Restores turns to emerging technologies, like virtual reality. But it's not something you can download and try at home. Bedell's team developed a custom VR system, 
And yes, it has audio and visuals. But patients experience simulated motion by sitting in vibrating chairs. And they can also be exposed to custom-made scents, which Bedell says can make therapy sessions more effective. It gets to the center of the brain in a much shorter period of time than some of our other senses, and it's processed much more quickly. So it's much more powerful, and I think, therefore, we need to use the olfaction as part of the treatment to counteract that. Bedell says her team has used smells to treat veterans, first responders, and survivors of sexual assault. The system hasn't yet been subject to a randomized clinical trial, but she says it's shown powerful results with patients because odors can trigger powerful emotional reactions. We've had people, when we haven't had the right visuals, we've been able to just give them sounds and give them smells, and the treatment seems to be equally effective. First, a therapist works with a patient to build a scenario based on a traumatic memory. Then, they guide the patient through the VR program. The therapist can manually prompt events, including spraying specific scents into the room. The smell of diesel fuel is probably the most common one that we hear that will trigger um, flashbacks or nightmares or something like that. Alcohol, um, the kind we drink, is pretty common because that's unfortunately part of many sexual assaults gunpowder or cordite or things like burning flesh. Um, Burning hair is another one that, again, with IED explosions is quite common. For Tissue, it was the smell of things burning. He says it was one of the most effective parts of his VR sessions. It was just amazing how the smell being added into what I was describing at the time was enhancing the way my mind was putting the pieces back together. And then on top of that, you had the rumbling and the sound and the movement underneath you and the sounds you're listening to through the headset as well. So it's all just starts connecting dots that you had forgotten about during that situation. Tissue says after just a few days of the program, he felt different, more like the person his grandmother remembered. It opened me back up to myself. And it made me more relaxed, more aware of myself, more aware of the people around me. I'm not as angry as I used to be at all. I like I went from a 10 to like, hey, this guy needs help to maybe a three. Bedell says about 66% of veterans and 76% of first responders who go through the full program at her clinic no longer meet the diagnostic criteria for PTSD. We used to think about going to therapy like once a week, right? So to me, that's like you're throwing a glass filled with water on one end of this wildfire. What we've done with these intensive treatments and the VR, it's you've got a fire hose, right? You've got the full power of a fire hose. And so you're putting out this, this wildfire at a much more effective rate. But this kind of intensive, multi-sensory VR program isn't something just any therapist can pick up and use. And it's not something patients can take home with them. The system UCF Restores developed was custom-made and needs an entire room. Bedell says each unit costs at least $5,000 to build, and some earlier systems cost six times that. But if that cost could be brought down, the ability to use sights, sounds, and smells in therapy could become a lot more accessible. Should I take my glasses You should be able to wear them inside. That's Aaron Wisniewski, the CEO of OVR Technology. 
OVR stands for Olfactory Virtual Reality, and the company is working on consumer-grade VR headsets that bring smell to the digital world. Earlier this year, I got to try out one of OVR's headsets at its headquarters in Burlington, Vermont. We're going to go through like a few different scenes. We call them vignettes. Correct. And so you'll probably want to take one big step to your left. Okay. Uh, oh, other, uh, other direction? Oh, to my, my other left. It looks like a typical VR device. There's a set of big clunky goggles that strap to your face with a handheld controller to interact with the digital environment. But it also has an extra rectangular attachment on the bottom of the headset that delivers smells straight to your nose. It should see a rose garden. Oh yeah, no, there's some roses. I see they're in a nice, uh, nice big planter. And not only could I see the roses, I could smell them, like for real. Wow, wow, I can really smell that. So you can actually smell the root of the rose also? Oh, there it is. Okay, I see the bulb down there. Oh, wow, that is, um, wow. That's really earth right there. The closer I brought the digital roses to my nose, the stronger the scent became. And when I stepped back, it faded away. When it comes to scent especially, your brain loves context. It wants to know that you're smelling a smell because of something. Wisniewski thinks odor can make virtual reality feel more real. But he says OVR's goal right now isn't to let gamers smell gun smoke and enemy orcs. He wants to use smell to help make people's mental health better. So you can have a pretty profound effect over how someone feels, how they think, and how they behave. But in order to make this technology more widespread, therapists have to be convinced it's not just an expensive toy. We'll talk about that after the break. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. One side effect of our habit of overlooking our sense of smell is that calling attention to it can feel like a gimmick. Think about scratch-and-sniff cards, or those markers that smell like fruit. Mmm, blueberry. And then, there's smell-o-vision. Smell-o-vision. It's probably one of the most infamous examples of smell being mixed with visuals. Only one movie was ever filmed for it, Scent of Mystery. Released in 1960, it was sort of a thriller, but kind of a comedy. It follows a British man on vacation in Spain who stumbles onto a plot to murder a wealthy American woman. It featured big movie stars from the time, like Elizabeth Taylor and Peter Lorre, and was shot in glorious smell-o-vision. She by perfume, scent of mystery, magnifico, irresistible scene. The movie was shot in such a way that certain points of the film would trigger a system built into the theater. The idea was that plot-specific smells would be piped into the audience. Scents like roses, pipe tobacco, and perfume. She says, the young lady, she never used mm-hmm. any other perfume. Very subtle. It didn't work out. Only a few theaters installed the smell delivery system, and it regularly broke down. Scent of mystery flopped, and smell-o-vision became a punchline. How tired are you of people making jokes about smell-o-vision? 
a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Don't make me talk about that, please. <laughs> Easy jokes aside, remember Dr. Valentina Parma from the Manel Chemical Census Center? Well, she takes this seriously. Because even though she has studied smell for her whole career, she says it can be a struggle to convince both regular people and experts that it's important. You say, I cannot see well, people would generally trust you. And then there is an easy way to get an exam done and see whether actually your vision is reduced or not. And currently, if we want to validate somebody in their loss of sense of smell, they have to go to a very specialized center that has the tool to do this. Like, it's not like going at every other corner in a, in a shop where you can get an optometrist evaluating your vision. We should note that OVR, the company trying to develop some of this technology, has a corporate partnership with the Manel Center. But Parma isn't convinced that simply making virtual smell technology more accessible will lead more therapists and patients to use it. A technological device that makes olfaction fun may actually skew away the conversation from olfaction is a tool for health. It may depend a lot on how um, these tools are proposed, but I'm afraid that it will be perceived more as a game. In fact, she's concerned it could have the opposite effect because virtual reality is so closely tied to video games in the popular imagination. And that gamifying smell, or incorporating it into social media, like OVR wants to do, might further trivialize the sense in the eyes of the medical field. We have a propensity towards that for the sense of smell because we don't pay a lot of attention, and so our immediate reaction is it's kind of fun, and uh, that doesn't usually bode with this is a serious metric, that it's going to help me live a healthier life. I do not know if technology will help you so much uh, in that direction. Others, like Dr. Albert Skip Rizzo, are more optimistic. He's a clinical psychologist at the University of Southern California, and he helped develop a VR therapy platform called BraveMind. A few years ago, he partnered with OVR for his work with Veterans Affairs Centers. He says the new headset works a lot better than his old equipment. We actually have stopped really using the old system probably four or five years ago. It was just technologically not ready for prime time. Rizzo says OVR's gear streamlines the process, meaning therapists can spend less time operating the equipment and spend more time focusing on their patients. If you know this patient is going to react with scent, maybe you're on a foot patrol and a, a bomb goes off in the distance, that software can make it so that automatically the scent comes along with the visual and the audio and the vibrotactile sensations that they're experiencing. Even if mental health isn't OVR's ultimate goal, Rizzo says making the technology cheaper and more accessible will tackle two of the biggest hurdles in convincing clinicians to adopt it. You've got to make it as simple as possible for implementation. And in that way, clinicians aren't looking at it as another load, but as something that, wow, it can make my work better. All I got to do is... Um, we get some Velcro, put this device under the headset, uh, download a piece of software that fits in with whatever application I'm using, and we're off to the races. But it may come down to how it's used. Jonathan Tissue, the Marine Corps veteran we heard from earlier, says integrating odors into his treatment at UCF Restores was crucial. And I wish so many more 
not just military members, but first responders, victims of any type of abuse or sexual assault. Like, it would be great for everybody. Tissue thinks making the treatment he received more accessible would do a world of good, especially because he says it changed him so much so quickly. He says he's less angry, more understanding, a better husband, and a better father. It really brought me back to life. It, my wife said it opened me back up to the love. Like, I wasn't loving at all. I was just cold and depressed and putting myself in a box and pushing everyone away. And she's like, it's like you came back to life again. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. This episode was reported and produced by me, Danny Lewis. Our fact checker is Aparna Nathan. Jessica Fenton and Michael Laval are our sound designers. Scott Salloway is our supervising producer. And editorial support was provided by Alan Haberchak and Falana Patterson. Like the show? Tell your friends. And leave us a five-star review on your favorite platform. Thanks for listening. Enter a revolutionary business world where AI meets power with Intel Core Ultra and Intel vPro. Imagine PCs that boost productivity, creativity, and collaboration with cutting-edge AI. They're gateways to innovation, engineered with powerful AI performance, hardware-based security, and AI-powered threat detection. Plus, they're built sustainably and can be managed remotely. Transform your workflow with Intel Core Ultra and Intel vPro today. No product can be absolutely secure. Become an IT hero at intel.com slash ITHeroes.